compassion, his word, uh, his love, opportunities to serve, and thank God for his church we've done today. So keep your Bibles open to um, Psalm 136. We're going to focus there. Uh, it's a wonderful psalm. Interesting structure, isn't it? Very repetitive. I got the feeling the psalmist wants us to remember something, don't you? I think so. All right. How about I pray? And then um, we'll, we'll start off with a bit of a definition. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, that you love us and that your love endures forever. We pray, Lord, that as we understand your word today, you would uh, instill it on our hearts so that we would put your words into practice. We would trust you and love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. I think as a key idea, oops, I'll go to that in a minute, thankfulness is, is recognition. Uh, thankfulness is recognition of what has not been earned. It's, a, it's appreciation. It's acknowledging that what we have has indeed been given to us. It's affirming that. Uh, it's honouring that. That's what thankfulness is. But our problem is that when it comes to our relationship with our Creator, the giver of all that is good, we're not so good at that. We're not much good at thanking him, recognising the gifts God has given us. Indeed, that God is the source of all that what we have. We get a little stingy. Uh, we get greedy. We, we think that the house I live in, the warm clothes on my back, the beautiful guitar I strum, uh, the job that I work says something about me. It doesn't. It says something about God. That's what it says. Now, they all speak to us about the generosity of God. Let me illustrate this in a roundabout sort of way. Yeah, back in 2005, this movie was made, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It was, of course, a, a, a remake of the, the movie, I think it must have been back in the 60s, 70s, uh, the one with um, Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. I, I still have nightmares about that, that Willy Wonka. <laughs> Awful thing. And Johnny Depp, he's even more scary, I think. I think he's very scary. Anyway, um, now, do you remember the characters? Uh, the, the characters, um, the children, this is the not-so-good children. They're, there's, let me run through them with you, just a little bit of a recap. There's Augustus Gloop. Now, which one's he? He's the, he's, there he is, bottom, bottom left. Um, Augustus Gloop, he, he's the first to find a golden ticket to Willy Wonka's tour. He's greedy. He's gluttonous. He's always eating chocolate, and he's described at one point in the movie as enormously fat. Um, <laughs> at one point, he offers Charlie some chocolate of his own, and then he retracts, and he says he should have brought his own. Um, then there's Violet Beauregard. Uh, she's the one who chews gum all the time and proudly boasts that she's won a gum-chewing competition. Uh, well, many gum-chewing competitions. Now, on the tour of the factory, she tells Willy Wonka she's been chewing gum, uh, the same piece of gum, for three months solid, or something like that. Oh, the, the accent's not quite right, but um, <laughs> she's an ungrateful character. Uh, her demise comes like a, the sport brat that she is, that she snatches an experimental piece of gum that they've been working on, and I think she turns into a blueberry or something, and then she gets, um, uh, she shoves it in her mouth, and that's the end of her. Uh, Veronica Salt, he's another character. Oh, what is it? Veruca. Wow, nothing like this church being corrected, hey. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's true, I've got to get it right. So, Veruca. Man, I didn't know that. There you go. Um, Veruca, Miss Salt, 
she's very selfish and she shows her family uh, no mercy at all and um, has absolutely no regard for other people's property. So uh, Veruca frequently bullies her parents uh, to purchase whatever she wants, basically, and she, she always wants more. But when she interfere, interferes with the trained squirrels um, used by Willy Wonka to select the best nuts that go into the chocolate bars, she's judged as, you know what it is? A bad nut. You're a bad nut. And they all point to her. Um, she's discarded into the adjacent garbage chute along with her parents. And finally, there's Mike TV, um, who, like the others, has this uh, sense of entitlement. Um, he's addicted to TV in the original one, but in the later movie, he's um, uh, addicted to violent internet games. It's a little change they make for that. He's aggressive, he's demanding, he's disrespectful. Now, looking at those characters for a minute, and us thinking about the generosity of God and thankfulness, I wonder if, if we're a little bit like those characters sometimes with God. Uh, I can't speak for you, but if you're anything like me, well, too often I don't recognise what God has given me. Um, starting just with life itself. God's given me life. Uh, sometimes I'm greedy. Sometimes I'm selfish. Uh, and sometimes I think to myself, well, this is mine. I've earned it. I deserve it. But actually, no, no, it's God-given. As uh, James Chapter 1 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. So thankfulness ought to be our right response. Our generosity, humility ought to be our right responses. Now, perhaps you're thinking quietly to yourself now, you know what, there's not much in my life worth thanking God for. That's what you, my marriage is struggling. My job is really taxing. I seem to be going backwards financially, hit after hit. Bills are piling up. In fact, I'm, I'm actually a little bit angry at, at God. I don't want to thank God. I want you to keep listening. Because I know God has something to say to you today. So what ought we to be thankful for? Why should we thank God? Well, let's spend a few minutes in Psalm 136, uh, which was a song of praise for God's people. They got together and they sung this song. Not sure how the tune went. I reckon it would have been a pretty good one. Um, it's a psalm of recognition. It recognises God. It gives thanks. It praises God for all that he's done. Uh, perhaps we can summarise the psalm using these three headings, which you can see on your outline there, if you've got your outline in front of you. Here's the first one. Be thankful because God is the God of gods. Verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. Give thanks because God is good. He's the Lord of lords. He's the God of gods. He's the, the sovereign creator. The psalmist wants to remind us, wants to remind God's people as they gather together, that God is unlike any other God. He's the true and living God. He's the creator. Look at verse 4. To him who, him who alone does great wonders. Verse 5, who by his understanding made the heavens. Verse 7, who made the great lights. Verse 8, the sun to govern the day. Verse 9, the moon, the stars to govern the night. His love, his love endures forever. That, that same God of gods, the, that, the creator of the universe, the, star, the, the, the stars, the sun, the moon, the, the Lord of lords, 
His love for his people endures forever. I can't describe that well enough. It was the hardest piece of this sermon to think through. God's love, who made all that, his love for you and I endures forever. Isn't that just extraordinary? It's mind-blowing. The God who made all of that, who created the world, who gave us life, his love for his people endures forever. Isn't that amazing? See, but, but friends, love, love is personal. It's, it's personal, isn't it? We know that. Love is relational, in fact. Uh, the God we get to know in the Bible is personal. Such love is great reason to thanks, give thanks to God, isn't it? Great reason. I, I love hearing of God's love in this way. Um, God is not distant. He's not some unmoved mover. No, he knows us. He knows all about us, even the not-so-good bits. He's, and he still loves us. He knows Israel, God's people, the ups and downs of Israel. Their sinfulness, yet his love endures forever. Jesus uses some great images to describe um, this love of God in Matthew 10. Uh, he's sending out his disciples to, um, uh, as, as to spread the word of Jesus to, to, uh, as a sheep among wolves. And he tells them not to be afraid because of their immense worth to God. Now, Jesus uses a how much more argument. Not, not one sparrow will fall on the ground outside of your father's care, Jesus says. And then he says, you are worth far more than sparrows. <laughs> far more than sparrows. Uh, he even knows the number of hairs on your head. Now, for some of us, that's not that hard, but um, that's a joke, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> but isn't that incredible? Isn't that, he knows that. Uh, the point is that God is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, not only knows us completely, but he loves us personally. Wow, that's a great reason to thanks God, give thanks to God, isn't it? Great reason to thank God. Second, be thankful because God is faithful. Clicker's not working. There we go. Come on, clicker. Adrian, you might have to do it for me. It's pretty simple. There you go. Thanks, mate. Uh, psalm 136 is what's often called a covenant psalm. Um, it reminds God's people to, that, that God keeps his promises. So the covenant means that he won't let them down, that his love endures forever. This psalm celebrates, verses 12 to 17, that God fulfills, God is fulfilling his promises to his people. Uh, given first through Abraham back in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15, that Abraham's descendants, Israel, would be as many as the stars in the sky, sand on the seashore, that they would be a great nation, that as the Bible teaches that through this nation would come the saviour of the world. But, but when Abraham's descendants, that's Israel, remember, who received those promises, when Abraham's descendants were in Egypt in slavery... Well, what then of God? I, I thought God keeps his promises. What, what then of God's promises of a great nation? What was God doing? What, what, um, what would God do? Had he abandoned his people? Well, Psalm 136 reminds us God's people, generations later, that God keeps his promises. God kept his promises. He's faithful. God redeemed them. 
brought them out of slavery. We read this in verses 12 to 17. He rescued them. Remember, it's all past tense. This is what God has already done to keep his promises. He struck down their enemies, verse 12, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So be thankful because God is faithful, the psalmist reminds us. God keeps his promises, God's people here. On Friday, I looked after a wedding. I presided over a wedding. That'll do. Uh, Sarah and Reese. Uh, Sarah's parents are John and Fiona Thomas, who are regulars at our 8am service. Uh, Fiona plays the, key, the, um, the organ for us. It was wonderful. It was romantic. Uh, it was beautiful. Um, it was a good time. It smelt good, too. Uh, because the last time we did a wedding, remember this, Megan? The last time we did a wedding, there was blood and bone on the neighbours' uh, paddocks next door, and that sort of wafted in, in amongst everything. Anyway, but that didn't happen this time. Uh, they didn't know, of course, that we had a wedding that day. They wouldn't have done it. Um, but uh, it, was, it was a good time. Here's what was promised to... Um, here's what was promised... Well, they promised to each other and to God. Let's, uh, let's go. There we go. To have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish as long as we both shall live. This is my solemn vow and promise. Some of you would recognise those words from your own uh, wedding day. In the Bible, uh, particularly the book of Hosea that we studied last year, our relationship with God is described as a marriage, a covenant relationship. But the problem is, as Hosea describes quite graphically, uh, we're, not, we're not faithful to that. We don't keep the covenant. We disobey like Israel. We, we reject, we rebel. And God has every reason, every right to divorce us. But what does the Bible keep telling us? No, 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 no. In his love, he instead brings us back to him. In his love, he, he, he marries us again and again. He keeps his covenant promises. He's faithful. That's the real message of the whole Bible in many ways, isn't it? In his love and mercy, God is rescuing his people and bringing them back to himself. What's extraordinary is that in the New Testament, um, the New Testament tells us that these incredible saving events that we read about in Psalm 136, they're, they're, that, we, that are sung about and described, they're just a shadow of what's to come. Just a taste of God's once and for all saving activity. We'll get back to that in a minute. Here's a third reason why we ought to be thankful uh, in this psalm. Go to the next slide. Thanks, Adrian. Uh, let's jump down to verse 23. Have a look in your Bible. These are incredible words. I, I just love them. He remembered us in our low estate. His love endures forever. The third reason why we should give thanks to God, the psalmist writes, and the people sang, because God remembers us in our low estate. In the psalm's context, uh, it's a phrase which speaks of Israel as a nation, their humiliation uh, and sinfulness. But it's not just a national focus, is it, in the psalm? See, remember, this is personal for the psalmist. Love is personal. Now, perhaps you don't feel like there's anything in your life to thank God for right now. Well, please know this, won't you? That God has not forgotten you. Now, God doesn't promise a perfect life of sunshine and lollipops. But he does promise his love. 
And he does promise forgiveness. And he remembers you in your lower state. I love Psalm 40 uh, because it reminds us of God's goodness and forgiveness. Psalm 40 sings, <laughs> He lifted me out of a slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He gave me a firm place to stand. Uh, sometimes in our sinfulness, in our doubt, in our forgetfulness, we feel like, well, we're, we're getting nowhere. We're bogged down in the slimy pit in our lower state. Uh, maybe it's bogged down in our sin, our despair, our frustration, our sadness. Before God, we might even feel humiliated. We can't even approach him. Perhaps even before others in our lower state. But hear the words of God. God remembers you. God remembers us in our low estate. He hasn't forgotten you. Isn't that great reason to give thanks to God? So put your trust in the Lord. Psalm 40 continues, uh, his love endures forever. We give thanks to God because God saves us. He lifts us up out of our lowest state. He rescues us. He frees us from the sin that so easily weighs us down. Uh, Jesus uses the term, it's a yoke, it's a burden. Between, a yoke between two animals just weighing down. Uh, Jesus, God's son, invites us to have rest from this burden. Uh, come to Jesus, get rest, have rest in him. Uh, forgiveness of our sin, in fact. And he can do that, the Bible says. He can make that invitation because he's alive. His death and resurrection have, have paid the price. He saves us through that. He makes us alive in Christ rather than being dead in sin. Ephesians 2.4 says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. As we trust in the Lord, we, we praise God, we give thanks to God for who he is and what he's done. We give thanks to God that his love endures forever. His love demonstrated fully when his son died for us as sinners so today today let's uh let's thank god for jesus for his generosity for his goodness and mercy let's let's thank god recognizing him appreciating him affirming his goodness to us let's do that let's uh thank god that he that as god of gods lord of lords he is good that he gives us all good things Let's not fall into the trap of ungratefulness and selfishness. What we've been given by God is, is, given, is given to us anyway. Uh, let's give thanks for his creation. Let's give thanks for his church. Let's thank God that he keeps his promises, that he remembers us. And let's give thanks to God that he, his love endures forever. Let's do that. On your outline there, I've got a prayer of thanksgiving, which is personal. From time to time, I'll, I'll put this sort of thing in. I'm going to read out, I'm going to pray this prayer out loud. And if you'd like, you can just pray this in your own heart as I read it. <clears throat> Almighty God, our creator and redeemer, I thank you for your work of creation, for the beauty of the world around me, and for every gift I enjoy. I thank you for creating me to know you, to love you and obey you. Most of all, I thank you for your amazing love in sending your son to restore your world, to die for me and to give me life, life to the full. God, please accept my thanks. Help me to recognise your love for me every day through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
We're going to sing a song of great thanks to God. Uh, We've stripped the band back a bit, just so we focus maybe a bit more on the words, I don't know. But it's such a wonderful old hymn. If you know it, I want you to belt it out uh, in thanks to God. If you don't know it, by the second or third verse, I reckon you will. Let's stand and sing together.